1: In 1920, the sordid tale of the death of Nick Beeson, his wife Helen, and her teenage lover John Byer was the talk of the town. Just after Christmas in 1928, the true crime story that seemed like a dime store detective novel again riveted La Crosse Tribune readers.
2: Oh, look at that. Here's more. Mrs. Helen Beeson (laughs) Bartovic. Bartovic, she married again, huh? Widow of Nick Beeson for whose murder John Byer has now served eight years of a life sentence in the state's prison at Wapon, is behind barred doors today at the La Crosse County Jail. Hmm. She was incarcerated by Sheriff Walter Rice upon orders of District Attorney Lawrence Brody following preliminary proceedings of the past 10 days during which attempts have been made to formulate a case to show that the woman in custody was the real murderer instead of John Byer. Huh, Mrs. Beeson is being held without warrant. Asked upon what charge Mrs. Beeson was being detained, Sheriff Rice replied that he did not know. Sometime, probably late today, she will be confronted by Byer, who has repudiated his confession and who has been granted a five-day parole by Governor Zimmerman in order that he may seek to establish the evidence upon which he hopes to regain his freedom let me get this straight. They are letting that murderer out of jail so he can find evidence and pin it on the wife? How weird can this get? The governor sanctioned the release of Byer in order that he might participate as a surprise witness in the attempt to jar from Mrs. Beeson a confession that she, after all, was the slayer of her husband. (laughs) Well, good luck with that.
1: Byer and a prison guard arrived on a Milwaukee Road train, somehow missing the four deputies dispatched to the depot to escort them to the sheriff's office, hopped on a city streetcar, and headed to the courthouse. The evidence Byer was seeking was a confession from his former lover, the widow Helen Beeson, who had remarried while Byer was behind bars. However, her testimony remained consistent with her previous story, so the district attorney released Helen, sending Byer back to Waupon to continue serving his life sentence as the murderer of Nick Beeson. Instead of returning to a pond, thus ending Byer's five-day release, his attorney, Frank Withrow, managed to arrange a meeting with Wisconsin Governor Fred Zimmerman. But Byer's plea to the governor held yet another twist. Will this Brinkman Ridge story never end? Mrs. Beeson-Bardovic, when interviewed at her French Island home, admitted she had loved Byer but branded his statements to the pardon board as a flock of lies. Byer contends he was a slave, locked against his will in a specially constructed closet of the farmhouse. When she could, Mrs. Beeson would bring her young lover table scraps and water so that he could shave and clean up. She let him out nights to share her bed after her husband retired. Let me see that. On the night of the murder, Byer claimed he heard another argument between husband and wife and that Mrs. Beeson cried out, Help! John! John! It was at this point young Byer broke out of his closet, encountered Beeson, who was armed with a butcher knife, and shot him in the forehead with a revolver in self-defense. The district attorney also had a private consultation with the governor in which he recommended leniency in the case as much as Byer had served eight years of a murder, which is believed to have been prompted by Mrs. Beeson, wife of the slain man. District Attorney Lawrence Brody summarized the events of August 26 in a letter to the Secretary of the Governor as saying, quote, Byer says that he fired the shot from the pistol which struck Beeson in the forehead and that he lay perfectly motionless for a couple of minutes during which time Mrs. Beeson came into the room, handed Byer a shotgun, and said, shoot him again. It is likely that Beeson was actually dead or near dead when the second shot was fired. It would be quite impossible to convict Mrs. Beeson-Bardovic as an accessory before the fact. On Friday, January 4th, 1929, three days before Fred Zimmerman's term of governor of the state of Wisconsin ended, Zimmerman commuted John Byer's sentence of life to 14 years for the murder of Nick Beeson, thereby making him eligible for parole. Once again, but not for the last time, La Crosse residents read of this most bizarre story.
2: Oh, more on the Byer-Beeson story. Let's see. Byer's testimony brought out a weird story, no kidding, of having been held a love captive in the Beeson home for many months prior to the murder. He claimed he had been intimate with the woman since he was 17 years old and had finally determined to leave town in order to escape from her when he was 20. When Byers stopped at the Beeson home to say goodbye as he headed out to Dakota Territory, however, the woman delayed his leaving by forcing him into a specially constructed closet where he was held captive for four months as a love slave under a strong hypnotic influence of Helen Beeson that Helen herself described as love. You've got to be kidding me. During that time of four months, Byer overheard many arguments between the husband and wife. She finally told him to go live in the barn, but one argument that occurred August 26, 1920, was so intense that John Byer felt that his mistress, Mrs. Beeson, was in harm's way. Byer broke out of the closet with a revolver he kept there, confronted and shot Nick Beeson at close range as Beeson approached him with a butcher knife with intent to inflict harm. (sighs) I have lived too long. I don't believe this. I've, I've seen everything now.
1: And that story, which came out eight years after the initial crimes, are the facts that we are left with 90 years later. After trying to cover up the killing of Nick Beeson with a suicide story, after the arson investigation in which the cover-up came tumbling down, Beyer was arrested and in the heat of his love for Helen Beeson, confessed to murdering her husband and was sentenced to a life term. In the end, the fire marshal determined that a pile of oily rags left in the corner of the kitchen was the likely cause of the house fire and not arson as suspected. Mrs. Beeson ultimately would not be charged as an accessory in the case, but was found guilty of adultery, a state offense, and was ordered to serve a term of two years in the Waupon State Prison. She claimed her children returned Christmas gifts and letters that she had sent. The whole affair had ruined her relationship with them. Byer claimed to have a fifth-grade education upon entering prison, but began to better himself through correspondence courses with the University of Wisconsin Extension. He took a freehand signwriting course and a full course in architecture. In prison, Byer plied a trade as a shoemaker. In his pardon request, he claimed he was a different man and no longer a boy. Governor Zimmerman reduced Byer's sentence in January 1929, and he was freed on parole in February of the same year, eight and a half years after the offense. Mrs. Helen Beeson-Bardovic and her husband Reinhardt split, and she later married a third time, becoming missus Reuben Gorel in the 1940s and moving to Viroqua. She died on November 6, 1966, at the age of 80. And is buried in Liberty Pole Cemetery in Vernon County. Upon parole, John Byer was still a young man and would be employed as a farmer, a painter, and a clerk at Kroner Hardware in downtown La Crosse. He married and lived to the age of 84, passing away on July 17, 1983, preceded in death by his wife. They are buried in the Woodlawn Cemetery on La Crosse's south side. And now I'd like to welcome in Anita taylor Doring, Senior Archivist and the Archives Department Manager at the La Crosse Public Library, who did some of the initial research for this story.
0: This story has actually become almost a legend in La Crosse County and is one of the most dramatic of our stories in this Dark La Crosse series. Even in my early days answering questions at the La Crosse Public Library's Archives Desk, I was asked for information on the family that was murdered on the ridge In those days, without a deceased's name or a fairly specific time frame of the event, it was impossible to find. While it isn't an entire family that was murdered, the lives of everyone in the family changed forever. The father was killed, the house burned to the ground, the mother sent away to the state penitentiary for a two-year sentence on a charge of adultery, the family broken up to live with relatives, and a young man who was related to them by marriage sent away to the state penitentiary for life on a charge of first-degree murder. The story revealed itself, as usual, by accident. A member of the research team happened upon the story when searching for something else. A sensational headline attracted our attention. We then began to backtrack to gather the facts and proceed forward. The story seemed to just write itself, each twist and turn becoming more and more like fiction than fact. We have a transcript of the hearing of John Byer's story before Governor Fred R. Zimmerman in 1928, which supports the chain of events as described in this script. Bayer wanted to get out of prison and have a fresh start. He was only 21 at the time of incarceration and wanted to clear his conscience of what really transpired on August 26, 1920, when Nick Beeson was struck by the bullet of Byer's revolver. As part of Byer's testimony, the governor asked him to sketch out the floor plan of the Beeson House and its relation to the straw pile, barn, and road. The old part of the house was the original log building. Sometime during the course of the four-year love affair, Beyer and his father built a two-story addition to the Beeson home marked new on the sketch. John confirmed that it was Helen Beeson who constructed the crudely made closet herself from pine. Today, the course of these events would have been handled very differently in the justice system. The illicit relationship between Helen Beeson, an adult woman of 30, when she seduced John Byer, a minor of 17 years old, which would be taken much more seriously. Had the investigation led to a jury trial, Helen would have likely been charged with additional serious crimes in the end, with her sentence resulting in a far greater time than the two years she did serve for adultery. John Byer's defense attorney would never have encouraged their client to plead guilty to first-degree murder, the worst possible admission in court, and not pursue a jury trial. At the time, Byer was told by the district attorney that his sentence would be lessened if he pleaded guilty to that charge. Alas, it did not aid Byer's plight. True to form, Judge Edward C. Higby sentenced him to life at Wapon State Prison. Thanks for listening.